Welcome back to Forwards Backwards Podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, we discuss whether we actually watched the match, Kelly Ferguson provides trenchant analysis, and the producer Paisley controversy is addressed. As always, I'm by, joined by the run and DMC to my jam master, Jay, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting, and Dan Fallon, who I don't think ended up watching all 90 minutes of the North Texas match last night. So it gives you an idea of how hard he works. Uh, Kyle, Dan, if Eli Lockerbie scores in a forest and no one is there to hear it, does it actually make a sound? <laughs> I mean, he's got the blood to show that he did something. So at the very least, he was there. He was in the fracas, I guess would be the word. I think he, I think he, a tree fell on his face. Distinctly possible. I do think uh, uh, Peter Wilt had a very good tweet yesterday. He said uh, in reply to the highlight of the goal that they couldn't actually capture that, you know, years from today, millions of people will swear that they saw they were there the day that, Eli Lockerbie hit a triple Lindy bicycle kick to score his first ever career goal at Hart Park. So, I, you know, friend of the pod, Peter Wilt, uh, once gave us a four out of five out of ten. Um, so, you know, we love him dearly. And, uh, you know, we are going to talk more about what we saw of the match, uh, which was limited. But, um, you know, while many of the people were heading home from Hart Park, uh, some uh, just terrible news hit you know, Wisconsin and it, it's news that I think sucked the joy out of that. We were feeling about that win out of uh, uh, a lot of our kind of feelings. And, and Kyle, you said that you weren't able to sleep last night and you had mentioned that, you know, that, and we, you know, as a, as a podcast uh, would like to talk about that. We're, you know, not always, uh, we hope nobody is, is looking to us, Dan and I, at least for, for guidance, but it's been a kind of, just shit day to, to put, you know, words to it. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah. So Jacob Blake, a man in Kenosha was shot in the back seven times by police. He was unarmed. He was going to his car. His kids were in the car. And if there's any good things that came out of it is that he is at least alive and stable. So Last night, there were conflicting reports that he was in critical condition, he was in the ICU, that he was dead. That was part of the issue of maybe we should have waited to get all the details on his status. But the fact of the matter is, a cop still shot a black man in the back seven times. That's a little bit too excessive, just to say the least. And this is why the protests are going on with Black Lives Matters and trying to get the point across because... How many times have we heard a white person shooting at cops or shooting up a school and even a church, and they're taken alive? And yet this man who was breaking up a fight as well gets shot seven times. And especially for it to happen in southeast Wisconsin, for me, it's just frustrating because out of the two places I've called home most of my life in southeast wisconsin and the twin cities to have both these incidents happen there it's hitting particularly hard and i think people just need to understand that this is why protests this is why we're saying abolish and defund the police at this rate there's no defending police and in my opinion it's a white supremacist paramilitary criminal organization and that's just how i feel about it and i think that's something that people whether you agree on that extent or not, I think everyone should agree that there is an issue with the police system in this country. And for those that are allies, you need to go out and try and help with the change, whether it's voting, whether it's pushing your legislators to, you know, be a little bit tougher on these uni police unions or helping out the community as much as you can and going on protests, you know, just simply tweeting and saying black lives matter isn't going to be enough. And it's kind of, that's my call to those that are listening. And, you know, I think it's another lesson that everyone needs to take note of. You can't just sit by and watch and also don't share the video. Please do not share the video because I get that you're trying to show your outrage and show how wrong it is, but you're also 
putting out content that is particularly traumatizing to black people and something that, I mean, is in the back of their minds every day. Even, I would say even when they're leaving their house, but at the same time it happens while they're in their house as well. So if you could, don't share the video, at least don't share it on your public social media pages. If you want to share it within your friend group, that's fine, but just try and keep that in mind as well. And I think that's all I got. I would also say it's it, it's incumbent on all of us not to, what, what you often see in headlines, what you often see is that the, the agency of the police officer is removed. Uh, you know, something someone might call this a, an officer involved uh, shooting or something like that. This is an attempted murder. And yeah. unless we all make that commitment, the, the, you know, oh, we need to wait for all the facts. There's, there's no set of facts that excuses shooting a man seven times in the back other than you were trying to kill him. Um, and I think it, it, it's incumbent on all of us to watch how we say what we say, because um, those, little, those little slippages allow the police unions to get their tethers in and get a, a man that is a, a criminal off. Um, he's a criminal. Let's not you know, mince our words. Let's not you know, try to blue lives matter this. He's, he's a murderer. And I think it's a, at this point a systematic problem. Um, you're right, Kyle. And, and so I think, you know, all of us need to be uh, watching how we say what we say in this moment as well to make clear that we, we all know that we have to do something. Yeah. The only thing I'd say is that, you know, I, <clears throat> I read an article today about shooting from, it was in the New York Daily News. And um, at some point in the article, the, it said, um, I don't know if the wording was, it's un, it was unclear, unconfirmed, or no, you know, no confirmation yet on whether um, Jacob Blake was reaching for a weapon. And I thought to myself, any confirmation yet on whether the cop is a murderer or the cop is a racist or the guy, you know, it was to me, it was like the, the onus was put on, on the victim in this case, that maybe he was doing something that the cop could see that we couldn't see. But what about the motivation of the police officer in that situation? Um, that, I mean, and I just reading that one line, I think that speaks to what you're saying, Keith, about this, you know, the language around these shootings and how it always kind of skews in the direction of the police officer and the difficulty with their jobs and they're in danger and blah, 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 and all that. And, um, never really takes into account the, the victims. Um, and, you know, and the only other thing I'd say is, you know, I'm sure the first response from so many people is going to be like, well, if you just would have listened. Um, if you just would have listened to the police officers and, you know, first of all, that doesn't mean you get shot. That that's not how policing works. Like if you don't listen to the police officer, the next step isn't to shoot the person. Uh, and second of all, I think we have plenty of examples of, uh, particularly men of color who are already in custody or already, um, have, you know, a knee on their neck being killed by police officers. So whether they, do what the police officer tells them to do or don't do what the police officer tells them to do. These things have tended to end poorly. Um, so, um, Kyle, I appreciate you being willing to speak about this. Um, and, um, sorry. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, well, I, uh, honestly, it's, I, 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 I admire you, Kyle, being able to articulate uh, your your anger in this situation because um, I, you know, am unable to really fully articulate my my anger in in this situation and my disappointment and and the hardest thing for me. And I, I can't imagine what it's you know like for you as a black man in America. But I, I you know, 1992, I remember the the Rodney King video. Um, and that's now almost 30 years ago. And, you know, that's just, this is just what we're seeing. Right. Um, and, and that they don't sense any, any need to change or adjust or that they continue to feel that they, the, the police needs to be catered to is the, the worst part of, of racism in our society. Um, and, you know, I, I am, I can't say how much, you know, that, that your ability to keep advocating for your, your, you know, 
what, what should be a simple issue um, and how tired you must be. Um, so, it, I mean, I'm incredibly frustrated and, and believe me, um, you know, the reason I'm not saying more about this on this podcast is then, you know, the FCC comes in, I think, and, and shuts the whole podcast down um, at that point. But I'm, I'm in agreement that, you know, the policing model in the United States has failed. Um, and in Wisconsin in particular, we, you know, uh, are one of the worst states in terms of uh, incarceration rights for African-American males. Um, and it, we've got to do something and we've got to do something now. Um, and whether it's, you know, at this point, protesting, voting, whatever it is, it, it's got to happen. Um, and it's got to happen soon. And we have to, we have to, if we believe in our system of government, keep pushing to elect uh, people of color, um, you know, one of whom was supposed to be our, our guests uh, this evening, unfortunately, because of these events, decide, uh, you know, she wasn't able to join us, uh, Francesca Hong, uh, hopefully going to be joining us next week. Um, but, you know, if, if you're of the mind right now that maybe the system's beyond saving, um, I'm not, a, I don't have a lot of counter arguments for you right now. Um, I'm just, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, uh, I'll be honest. I don't, you know, maybe, maybe we just uh, hope for that meteor that's supposed to hit us before the next election. Uh, that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, so this is also, um, you know, and Kyle, I don't know if you have any last thoughts you want to share or anything that. No, not also without going on a angry swearing tangent that I've done multiple times and multiple different conversations, but I have said that pretty much everything needs to burn to the ground and start over and, that's kind of my parting thought, I guess. Um, you know, look, I, I'm the first to admit that when the revolution comes, uh, I'll be first against the wall. Um, and, you know, that's okay by me. I think I've, I've earned that privilege um, over, the, over time. British um, champagne during the pod will do that. Yeah, you know, uh, you know and, and that segues it was in. Only, it was only champagne from Schaumburg, Illinois. So let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, related to that, uh, you know, uh, there has been some controversy around me running a quote-unquote burner account uh, under the name of producer Paisley, a.k.a., you know, my lovely dog who occasionally appears on this podcast. Um, and I will just say this, as I said on Twitter, we know that I did not set up that account because if I had set up that account, it would have been the Twitter suggested handle and it would have been something like propa14487 as the handle, not anything as logical as it was put together. Um, I will say that the revolution, however, when it comes should save producer Paisley, um, because, She's the best. And, uh, you know, I, I need somebody to look out for. Uh, Keith, she's, I believe she's part German short hair. The Germans always end up, they end up okay in the end. She'll be fine. <laughs> she's English pointer. Thank you. What's, um, what's, the, what's the joke? And it, it, it lived up to its reputation. Uh, they, they, they kick the ball around for 90 minutes. And in the end, the Germans always win. So yep, yep. Uh, congratulations to Bayern. Um, I, you know, I think, I think we can all agree that the best team won the Champions League. Um, they haven't lost a match since December, I believe. They won undefeated in the Champions League. Um, was not as easy as I think a lot of us thought it was going to be. But, uh, uh, yeah, well done. Well, what I was going to say was the biggest winner yesterday, Bayern Munich or Mai Kujo, whose streaming services, after whatever happened at uh, Hart Park yesterday, now look like they are cutting edge. I mean, Champions League, is the broadcasting has been tremendous. Uh, Kate Abdo, uh, by the way, at one point was live translating from German and then switched over and live translated from Spanish. Um, we Also, we should get – she's like – she is like the broadcasting phoenix that she was able to rise from the ashes that was the shit pile of Bleacher Reports Champions League. I had kind of cast her aside with all the rest of those yahoos who were on that show in their sneakers with no socks and in different rooms and all this stuff. Um, and she's been, she's been phenomenal, that whole coverage. And actually on our, on our Liverpool group chat, I actually took a little bit of a shot at Jamie Carragher, who I felt like occasionally just needs to shut up and let 
everyone else have a moment to speak. Um, but yeah, good props to Kate Abdo for, for uh, kind of resurrecting the career that I was concerned about. Well, she's yep. been on German TV as well. So yeah. 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 It's definitely a, I mean, top to bottom, that whole crew for the champions league, considering, I don't know how long they, it took them to put it together Yeah, because of the short turnaround of when Turner dropped it and when CBS picked it up and I had some hesitations on Michael Richards. I had some hesitations on Jamie Carragher. I had some hesitation on Schmeichel. There's definitely people that I was like, I don't know if they're going to be great or not. Like Carragher, I like Carragher, but I know he is someone that you have to have someone that he can kind of shoot the shit with, which is yeah, why yeah. him and Neville work so well. And I didn't know if that was going to translate over, but yeah, everyone did a great job. Roberto Martinez, the Belgian manager, I think is one of my favorites on there. He's very yeah. level-headed. And his take on Lukaku after the Europa League final was spot on, in my opinion. So props to CBS. Now make sure the next year that the Champions League is on, you know, the cable channel, not streaming. Yeah, the final should definitely be on the on at least on the network. I mean, that's just absurd um, that it wasn't. But, you know, uh, we're talking about this Champions League final because, uh, you know, we can't make many comments about the broadcast uh, from Hart Park other than, Dan, I think you had mentioned you really hope uh, if that couple listens to the podcast, they're okay with you yeah. making some jokes at their expense. Well, it was it, well. Wait a minute! It was the pods Twitter account that's, that was making the jokes. We never. But I think we, I think everybody knows that everything that's funny actually comes <laughs> with you from you, and everything that like nobody understands fully and is kind of esoteric comes from me. Well, I, I should. I did want to say um, Kyle the, runs the, four accounts already. I think. Um, and so actually, yes, <laughs> yeah. I had the same thing. Like, wait, yeah, four. I have access to four accounts. Yeah, so we're not ready well, to hand them the 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 password to our Twitter account. So that it was important. I did want to. I just did want to um, report to the to to the world that um, uh, by a by a vote of sixty three point two percent to thirty six point eight percent, Man Bun won out over Pony on what the hairstyle was of the, of the gentleman coming in. I thought the best response though was Jan London or Jean. I never know. I, oh man, I just butchered his name. Jan, Jan. Uh, he had pony bun, which I actually, it, it'll it always be Burma to me, Dan. It'll, which, which I think was the correct answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to say like, you know, I hope, they don't take any offense. We were just having a little bit of fun because it was just insane to watch them walk into the stadium that many the times. The worst thing would be like, they're not even a couple. They just like captured them simultaneously walking in, you know, like <laughs> that little segment, you know, like one yeah. was, you know, right after that one went one way and the other went the other. Um, do the, wonder, I mean, that lady at the, at the beer caster, she must've gotten shit faced by the way. Well, I, I, I had asked what did they order and, 51% said beer, 41% said chilled wine, and 8% said White Claw. The White Claw, not popular among the Twitter fans. She I didn't put it as an she didn't look, people she, chipped in. <laughs> she didn't look, she, uh, um, this might be getting, I might be pushing some bu people's buttons here. She didn't look like she was in the White Claw demographic to me. I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I don't think Dan or I look like we're in the White Claw demographic either. So, that's Kyle, uh, have you ever had a White Claw? I've had wine, but I didn't like it. Yeah. I, I, I somehow, I mean, there's a demographic. I, I don't know if we're I, too it, old. Technically, it is my demographic. It is your demographic? Yeah. Like Dan and I, I feel like are too old. Like, I'm like, just bring me the gin and leave the bottle rather than these, you know, we're too well, old and I too depressed. I will say, as I've gotten, as I've gotten older, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm a self-professed beer snob right here for about, you know, probably the last 12, 13 years. Um, I can't drink seven, 8% beers in the middle of the afternoon anymore. I need a nap. So I've kind of, I've kind of gone back now. I still, I still, I, I've gone into a whole very, I've gone into like a lager Pilsner kind of thing. I still like it to be craft and I like it to be local. Um, but I'm not as opposed to low alcohol or yeah, low ABV alcohol as I once was. What the kids um, call a session beer. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is why I, like I know for sure Goose Island has a like 3% beer and it is fantastic. Yeah. As my father in law yeah. said, it's a great doing chores around the house 
<laughs> That's why I love the high life. I mean, there's nothing better after you mow the lawn on a hot day than an ice cold high life. Oh, out of the bottle. Oh, I got uh, uh, a. Dan, I got, also, I, I I feel like you know, hanging out with me has lowered your your <laughs> alcohol standards because I think when we first started hanging out, you're like, what, who the hell is this guy drinking high life? And I'm like, well, if you're gonna drink 48 of them, you know, you need to have a lower <laughs> a lower ABV. You know, you go to the you go to the Argus at four o'clock. If you're gonna stay there much past seven thirty, you know, you can't be drinking those fancy beers. Especially when you're with you and Optali. So oh, yeah. Well the um, Optali the Optali though, we when it's Optali and I, we know from four to seven it's happy hour, dollar off of all drinks. So Optali gets the two twenty five rail gin and sodas, which you're losing money if you're not drinking as many of those as you can. Uh I have not been to the Argus now in since because I went dry. So since like February was the last time I was in the Argus. It's been like eight or nine months. Longest period of time since I moved back to Madison. I'm just not at the math. It's impossible that it's been eight or nine months, but that's okay. It it feels like eight or nine years. Uh, (laughs) So I don't know. I'm just uh, translating. Uh, The other thing uh, we did get some listener feedback uh, from Weston at, at league one uh, unfiltered. And first of all, we don't want any reader listener feedback ever again, because, uh, Weston asked, he reached out to us and he said, did we really think the penalty last week from Omaha was a Penenka? Because it, it went a little bit to the side. And I said to Dan, that's a ridiculous question. Dan, what did you reply to me? I said, I think my response was, we, we, we pod about a third division soccer team. And I replied with, and yet that's the most meaningful thing in my life other than my dog. <laughs> so this is why we don't want any re- reader feedback because, or listener feedback, because it ends up with Dan and I in a dark place, I think is. Well, I mean, I think, I think my, my joke was that is exactly the type of topic we should be spending 45 minutes on, whether it was <laughs> well, a Penanka or then, not. Then Kyle, Dan. I'm going to go off into my dark place. Was it was it a Panenka or no? Kyle? Technically, yeah. I'd say so. Dan? I say yes. I say yes. It, you know, it's funny. The first time I saw it, <clears throat> I thought he kind of just like chipped one into the top corner. Yeah. And then, then when I watched the replay, it was clearly a Panenka. It just kind of drifted over to the right. Which it, was a, right. it was a League 3 Panenka. You can't expect a League 3 player <laughs> exactly. to be as precise as Zinedine Zidane, who puts it right off the crossbar. It wasn't like Memphis Depay against Juventus a couple weeks ago. Like, it wasn't that good. It was It was still a Panenka, just a little bit off-centered. Yeah. Did the ball end up in the net? Yes. With a Panenka, that's all that matters. How can I tell? <laughs> with a Panenka, that's all that matters. Because if you've ever seen one that doesn't end up in the back of the net, <laughs> you should basically retire on the spot. I've seen one where the goalie fell down, got back yeah. up, and caught the ball. So, like, didn't Sergio Ramos though score one where it like barely left the ground because the goalkeeper like dove and he hit one like it was like basically halfway into the goal. I feel well, like that's that was because a, he's made it. That's because he sold his soul to save. So uh, did. By the way, my favorite detail of the last week, the, the truest friendship in the history of mankind is Dehan Lovren and, and uh, Mohamed Salah. And when Lovren confessed that he did elbow Ramos in the back of the head because he intentionally hurt his friend, I mean, that's relationship goals right there. That's what we should all <laughs> aim for. Lovren has uh, many flaws, but he is loyal. Yeah. <laughs> that you can't go on so we did have so even when you went back on espn plus to rewatch, the game was a choppy decided mess so we we really uh, we could do a full match analysis first of all if you're look again if you're listening to us for our detailed trench and analysis don't do that that's why it why we have by the way madison's man of the match i think uh but in fact fan of the match uh, Kelly Ferguson. She was named player of the match, I think, last night on the broadcast. Uh, but it was fan of the match. Uh, Kelly Ferguson to provide us with some trenchant up analysis coming up at, later in the pod. Uh, really excited. This is, this is new, high-level, high-quality analysis. But 
we we kind of have three key points. We may you know touch on them here again. Another week in a row. Keith Ponywas, tactical genius. I did not suggest this. Dan, you actually suggested this. Tell me while I'm sitting here yet again why I'm a tactical genius, and maybe I'll refute you. Brandon Eaton. Well, actually, no. You're not. You know what? This is uh, this isn't fair to Kyle. Kyle is the tactical genius this week because he made the point that we had, in addition to Don Smart, had some firepower sitting on our bench, and he wasn't even concerned in the slightest that we were going to add to our second half lead. And what happens? Substitute Brandon Eaton plays a wonderful pass out to substitute Don Smart. Substitute Don, uh, Don Smart carries the ball down the right. Substitute Brandon Eaton continues his lung-busting run from midfield. And substitute Noah Fusone makes a great near post run, drags the goalkeeper out, drives the defender with him. Uh, well, can't get his own who came on in the second half, right? As, yep. as yep. some they of that ball, firepower. Ball. Yep. And uh, ball ends up at the back stick and there's substitute Brandon Eaton to score a sweet diving header. Um, thus proving that Kyle Carr is the actual tactical genius on the forwards backwards podcast. He can be followed at Kyle Coche. That is Spanish for the car. Dan is taking away my tactical genius and taking away my explain the jokes bit. I'm, you know, I mean, I think this week Kyle deserves it because that was, that was like some Nostradamus type shit. Watching 80 soccer leagues and playing a bunch of football manager has finally paid dividends. (laughs) (laughs) By being the Nostradamus of a third division nonprofit uh, podcast. By the way, even producer Paisley got shots in at Dan for his inability to find us a sponsor, though. Apparently, the only things that sponsor lower division soccer podcasts are scarves and gambling. And, you know, neither one of those really appealed to me. Yeah, and I, if, if any people may not have seen this on Twitter yesterday, but there <laughs> was my uh, favorite part. This may have been my favorite part of the match where uh, apparently uh, there were people from all over the globe gambling on this match who were a little confused on why the match uh, was halted in the 75th minute and jumped into the mentions on Forward Madison's Twitter account. And uh, uh, Forward Madison had to tell them that there was a lightning uh, lightning delay. And I think my favorite line was, uh, to all you na- international gamblers out there, always bet on the lightning. <laughs> but, I mean, if 2020 couldn't be weird enough, seeing some dude upset about a game he's gambling on from halfway around the world and his Twitter profile picture was Victor Moses wearing a Fenerbahce jersey. I mean, that was strange. <laughs> that was strange. Soccer Twitter at its best. Oh, man. And then I really I hope they won. That, and I noticed that that guy then jumped into some, like, either Michael Vang's mentions or someone else's. Like, he popped up somewhere else. So uh, maybe they're all about to go Flamingo. I don't really know. We're huge. We're huge in the Turkish gambling community. Um, I hope they listen to this podcast to get that inside gambler's edge. I think that's really, that's really where, where maybe that's where we blow up is we are the gambler's resource on, on going, you know, full mingo gambling. I assume it's like a triangle of like Nigeria Turkey, and then what's the country where all the illegal threat streams come out of? Latvia, Estonia? Uh, Latvia. Latvia, yeah. Latvian um, jokes are my favorite of all time. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> Secret Service come to door with potato. And, you know, and I, just going back to the tactical genius, I think it's actually probably fair to say that uh, Daryl and Neil might actually be the tactical genii. Uh, since they are the ones who selected the lineup that got us uh, a 1-1 lead uh, and then were able to rest some guys, get them to come off the bench, get the results. And so kudos to them. You know, they've had to work through some, some, uh, some squad rotation the last couple of weeks with all the players that were with all the matches we've been playing in a very short time frame, and they got a, a, a huge result the last – you know, seven out of nine points from three games in nine days, I believe. So uh, that's a that's a big 
a big, uh, I'll give them a 10 out of 10 for, for uh, yesterday. Good time for the uh, regular occurring Havlati hashtag watch. Uh, hashtag Havlati in. Though uh, yesterday his carpool mate did say that uh, she had to wait for a long time after the match. And she had downgraded Neil to Havlati out. But then she found some chips in the car and in line with the, uh, the you know, performance of the team, uh, hashtag Havati in. Uh, you know, good time as well to address Chairman Schmidt uh, brought something up on Twitter that he suggested a new nickname for Cowboy Neil at the wheel Havati, who not joining us this week, mostly because we forgot to ask him. Um, good work, Producer Paisley. Um, you know, she was so obsessed with the new Twitter account and, and all the all the likes and the social media high that she forgot to do her job. Um, I know the feeling. We are not going to be calling her him uh, Neil the Deal Plavati. Not everything is a 1980s re- uh, wrestling reference, Andrew. Not everything is an. We are learned men of the world. We are Renaissance men. We may make reference to the Beats. We may make reference to fish shows. We may make reference to Run DMC, the first tape I ever bootlegged, by the way, as a child. So whose house? Run's house. That's what I say. This is not your house, Andrew Schmidt. We We refuse to submit to your attempts at consolidating forward Madison flock power. We are, we are resisting. That's, that's what I'm going to say. Uh, next point, by the way, and on the, the kind of tactical genius front, I think we may have actually found our, our second center back. Uh, I think Chrysler will be interesting to see, but I thought Gonzalo Fernandez and we need to come up with a nickname. So Dan, uh, you know, Dan, try not to do anything wrestling related with that. Um, but I thought he was tremendous in the six minutes of match I ended up seeing in total. Yeah, I would. We noticed it when it was a North Texas match that he was comfortable on the ball. His passes were a little bit astray during that match, but at least we knew with the ball at his feet, we, you felt good about his ability to pass. And I think his passing range is just something that Josiah and Jalen don't have. Um, part of that could be because he might be a center back that can play, you know, a number six, or he has a six that just gets thrown into center back. I don't fully know yet. Um, but yeah, his passing range and his calmness on the ball is something that was really good to see and, you know, handling it all. He's got the size to be a top level center back. I think that's kind of something that it's good to have more of those type of players that you can throw them in. And especially against a team like OCB, where they're not necessarily going to put you under as much pressure. It's going to have someone that can pick up passes from deep. Yeah, I think that helps open up, you know, the attack a lot more and and maybe as a tactical sub if we're going into matches where they're going to be we're playing against a team that will be sitting deeper, maybe he is, you know, tactically the the best guy in there and if we're playing against high press, maybe somebody slightly different, you never know. But uh, yeah, Dan, you were the one that pointed out to me that you to Kyle and I actually that you thought he had the a, a fantastic match. Yeah, I I I <sighs> If he was a man of the match, he, he was uh, he was right up there. I mean, I I thought he he slotted in well. He um, looking now, he completed fifty six passes uh, or attempted fifty six passes, comp- passing accuracy of ninety three percent. What's interesting is looking at him and 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 Turbo. They between the two of them only played eighteen long passes, which compared to previous weeks, way way down. I think that's a bit of a function of. Uh, OCB sitting a little bit deeper, so they, we weren't under a, a ton of pressure. But I thought there were a couple times where Gustavo was able to pick players out with you know 20, 30-yard passes that cut cut out a couple lines of OCB's defense. There was one play I remember he, I think it was in the first half, stepped up and kind of won a, um, you know, kind of jumped in the air and won a little like volley tackle where he played the ball straight onto one of our midfielders' chests, which is like very calm. He just looked very composed throughout the whole match. And I, I thought it was a good partnership between between him and and, and Connor. 
so I think there's, there's a battle on now, I think for the center back positions. Cause I think Jalen was probably started the first match of the season. So we got to assume that that was the, the partnership was meant to be Connor and Jalen. Uh, this happens at all levels. People get hurt. Somebody else steps in, start playing well, but now Josiah gets this, uh, gets this suspension. So he misses a match. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think there's a, there's some interesting combinations there. And again, Eric Leonard not playing at center back. So we will continue to rate that as a 100% lie that he is going to play center back for Florida Madison. I think uh, also look uh, to be honest, this is a big step up in depth for forward at the center back. And it was a weakness last year because when Wyatt went away or couldn't play, um, you know, they had to slide. I mean, their only option was seemingly Leonard. Um, they didn't have a lot of other choices. So I think having, um, that additional option is, is a good move by, you know, not, not coach Daryl Shore, but uh, technical director or, you know, uh, soccer pre- manager of soccer operations, general manager, uh, you know, whatever the, the technical term you want to use for him. Uh, direct, director of football operations, Daryl Shore, by making sure we had depth uh, in that center back position, making sure we weren't relying on loan players in that role. And I think that's been a, a big improvement in terms of the overall squad depth. Yeah, I think there's just depth along the whole back line in general. I mean, Eli comes in, he didn't get much playing time in the first couple matches, he immediately starts, gets a goal, but defensively he was pretty good. And a lot of Pato to still stay in his spot. And even though he was kind of at fault for one of the goals, it's still something that he's still getting back to that level that we need. Um, and yeah, with Eric Leonard not playing center back, it's kind of like Lucas Leva back in the Liverpool days where if he was playing center back, you had an emergency crisis um, with their injuries. So him not being there and staying at the six where that's his best position, that's always good. And I mean, Brady coming in at goal for Phil, I think he looked pretty well. He looked pretty good. He was a good shot stopper. Could have probably done a little bit more with the cross that Orlando scored, but at the same time, you're asking, what, a 16-year-old kid to turn into one of the better goalkeepers? Kind of a big ask, but in terms of shot stopping ability, I think he ticked all the boxes and made really good saves. Yeah, I was a little worried about his positioning, particularly there in the first half. He made a, a big diving save off of a, a shot from outside the box. And if you looked at the positioning, he was looking a little bit too far, far post to my mind, but uh, worked out in his favor because he made the the save on it with Brady. And look, 16-year-old kids uh, in terms of goaltending, that goalkeeping, pardon, that's between their ears, learning to read the game, learning those judgments on when to come, when to stay. Those are where they need the development, especially as you step up the ranks and the pace of play, you know, moves up as it will, no matter how well you're playing at the, the you know, uh, amateur level, you know, the pace of play, there's a jump from even to D3, you know, League 3, it lower, you know, lower division overall. There's a, there's a jump, Dan. Yeah. And okay. we talked about this during, I think, after the Richmond game giving uh, Neil and Daryl kudos for getting uh, Alan Rodriguez ready to start in the six. And again, uh, Alex Monis had a, had a decent game out on the left wing. I, I, you know, the pro- the issue he has is just his strength. Uh, he lost. I had a note in the first half where he lost a ball that led to a chance where he, you know, just kind of got shoved off the ball. And I think he'll have to learn over time that he, you know, I'm sure at his age level, he can, he can muscle guys off the ball and his speed allows him to get away from players. And at this level, he's just going to have to learn, but I mean, he, he had a good game. I just, I mean, the fact that we're starting a, he's 17, a 16 year old goalkeeper getting results. Now we're playing against OCB who are playing a lot of young players too, but I got to imagine Chicago fire are feeling pretty good about this relationship with forward Madison. I would think, I mean, I wouldn't think they were thinking these kids were going to play every single game, but I think Monas actually has, made an appearance in just about every game. I'm a little concerned that uh, Alan Rodriguez, we haven't seen him now since the Richmond game. I don't think he's gotten in and he wasn't on the bench on, on uh, uh, yesterday. And actually I had a question about that. Maybe you guys know, are we still only at 18? Can you only have 18 on the bench? They didn't extend the bench for the extra subs. 
I, I don't think so. I think it's only 18. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think, I think in some of the leagues extended the bench, right. I think you could bring more guys out on the bench, but anyway, that'd be my only concern, but that could just be a, a question of, you know, who they wanted on the bench for this certain game, probably thinking they weren't going to need another defensive midfielder uh, for a home game. Should we consult uh, with, uh, you know, maybe the league physician who they, they bring on the broadcast at halftime? <laughs> Dr. Nick from the Doctor, yeah, Hollywood yeah, Medical Dr. College. Dr. Nick, yeah. Which this week I noticed, uh, and this is, no, this is no comment on anyone's beliefs, but he does have a gold, it what appears to be a gold-plated depiction of the Last Supper over his, uh, what would be his right shoulder. So t- take a look next time. I've now seen that video about 100 times, and so I'm, I'm looking for new things to critique. Beyond his beyond his T-shirt that is not the same color as his his uh, shirt that he's wearing. Uh, so let someone else notice that because that's been bothering me, and I didn't know if that was just the color <laughs> of my TV or not. I also it's am the not two a huge whites, fan of the right? fact that that's he's hovering the- that he's hovering over the camera like he's about to come through and and choke me if I question the USL's COVID preparedness. Uh, this works so well. It's, Nobody's died yet that we know of. Um, what, we, wouldn't find that say, out for fi- we wouldn't find that out for about 10 days, right? Because isn't that the way USL, they release the information yep. about 10 days after. So if anyone dies today, we will find out on about September 4th. So, yes, maybe we need to put it today as of 557 on Monday, August 21st, <laughs> 24th, 2020. Nobody has died. I, here's what I'm going to say. Leaving aside any religious symbolism of that painting. I'm reminded of of the Jerry Seinfeld joke. This is one of my favorites where he's like, you know, I think he he became a Jew just to to tell the jokes about the dentist. And and he goes, and and he's talking to a priest and the priest says, does this offend you as as a Jew? He goes, no, it offends me as a comedian. I am offended by Keith has already told this joke on the pod. So we're, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) since I can't explain the jokes anymore, I'm just going to repeat them. Yeah. Uh, In in my role as the resident old man of the podcast. So what I will say is, doesn't offend me as a a Catholic. Offends me in terms of as a home decorator. Uh, The taste. (laughs) Poor taste. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Anything else uh, besides that, that uh, before we get to our third point, that the Vang train delivers like the United States Postal Service before Trump was in appointing the postmaster general who quote unquote doesn't really know much about the price of mailing a letter. I mean, it, it's, it's really hard to follow everything. Uh, Kyle and I are muting ourselves here just so we can scream into the void. I think Dan, there's a reason why I've said mute and block that bum because every day there's something dumb that he says that I just can't deal with anymore. <laughs> Uh, but please, like vague, set piece God. I will say that for sure. <laughs> Three uh, assists, all on set pieces in the last two matches. I, you know, that was something that we had critiqued and been, let's say it was lacking at the beginning of the season and all of last year that they weren't capitalizing on set pieces. And the fact that they've got their last, I would say, what, two, three of their last four goals that they scored have been a result of set pieces that Mike Vank has delivered. And it's come from a variety of players. You know, one is to Eric Leonard, someone that even though he may not have the height, he has the jumps. You get another one with Eli Lockerbie that may or may not have happened. We don't know. And then the third, <laughs> kind of after some deflections and an own goal, I mean, it's just a variety. And it's been three different areas as well. So I think it's kind of good that they have that type of player. And you got to take advantage of it, especially if you're going to try and grind out wins and you're not going to be this high-pressing, high-attacking team to get your goals as in many ways as possible. Well, you know, and, and I'll say, look, this podcast is like the old E.F. Hutton, uh, you know, ads. I think when, when this podcast speaks, the team should listen. I think that's, that's really what it comes down to. When this podcast speaks, Daryl, Neil, listen. Dan, uh, anything else to add on on Michael Vang, the Vang train? At some point, we're going to have to record an apology to him because he did reveal in in his interview that he was feeling a little bit of pressure from some people on on social media, and it really 
behooves us as a podcast who is active on social media to call out those people who are pressuring poor Michael Vang. Just tell them to stay away from the Vang train because that's just shocking to me that they would put pressure on a 19-year-old kid like that. Me too, although it seems to be working. Uh, well, I think as, as, as uh, Jason from uh, League, League One Fun said on Twitter, how amazing is it that this kid actually showed up and has basically turned our season around. Uh, things were looking relatively bleak. I know we always try to, in the moment, say, well, you know, as long as we can get the next three points. But the reality is we were looking, staring down the barrel of it. We still are. I, you know, I think given what the games in hand that people have and things like that, it's, it's still going to be a, a very, uh, as they say in politics, a very narrow path uh, to the playoffs. But I think he's, you know, he's done everything we've, we've needed. We needed a creative player. He's comfortable on the ball. He's delivering in set pieces. I think maybe as he kind of develops and grows, he'll start to make a little bit more impact kind of in the run of the game. But he, you know, in a game like this where we had more possession than we did against Omaha, I think he completed somewhere in the 30 passes range. Um, so, you know, I think he's, he's, he's growing into the game and obviously he's one of those guys who just seems to step up and deliver a pass or deliver a set piece. And, and when we need it, long may it continue. And, and the other thing is related to that. I think a little bit like JC Banks does. So I, I think he reads the game very well and knows where he needs to be to support for passes to, create the link up play. Um, you know, sometimes what you have to worry about with the number 10 is that they end up in a lot of cases kind of disconnected from the rest of the team. They can't find that space. They can't make themselves available. Uh, you know, one of the reasons Zinedine Zidane was one of my favorite players and, you know, we saw it with the Ram Duter in the champions league final, though less so he didn't play as well. Uh, you know, Thomas Muller, he's a space finder. He knows where to go. And I think you see, you know, and look, Michael Vang is not Zinedine Zidane. He's not Thomas Muller, but he, in his own way, finds a space where he can allow people to find him passes, keep the the flow of the play going, keep the flow of the midfield going, and then also can contribute the telling pass to create the goals when you need him either via set pieces. And I think we'll see it from the run of play. And he's a good finisher as well as we saw in that you know his first appearance, what is now two day, two games ago. Seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It seems like a whole different team, to be honest, because going into that Tormenta match, it was, all right, it's been three matches. They've scored one goal and have one point. Not looking great. And since then, yeah, seven seven points out of nine, you're at least sitting in fourth. You're not that far from Omaha and Richmond. If you can continue winning the games that you're supposed to win, and I think that's also a contributing factor. Tormenta's defense, not great, but as we saw on Saturday, Tormenta still has the capabilities of winning matches. OCB, not great. Omaha, you get a draw on the road, which is good. But if you win the matches you're supposed to win, at the very least, you give yourself a fair shot because everyone's playing for second place right now. And if you can get some things to go your way and win what you're supposed to win, who knows with this team. And I think that's just the biggest thing is you got to win against North Texas, especially without Ronaldo Davis and with how poor they are defensively as well. Um, that's the only ups. That's the only upside of that red card. So if people haven't seen the incident from the uh, union Omaha uh, North Texas game. I would check it out. The uh, I think the red card on Davis is harsh. If harsh, that's not overturned, I'll be shocked. <laughs> yeah. Unless there was something said that we didn't hear or, yeah, I mean, poking out of the ball, I mean, that's something players do all the time. Okay, it could be a yellow card. I think the punch in the back of the head, while kind of not really a punch, clearly a red card. I don't think uh, you need you know, to well, You know, if you, you do it, you know, kind of swing out at him right at the heat of the moment, fine. But he, jo- you know, sprinted after him five yards away to go yeah. you know, WWE style into him. I mean, it was not a, not a good look. So the positive for us is hopefully Damus's red card is not <laughs> taken back and we get to play North Texas uh, without him. But I'd be, I'd be pretty furious if I was, if I was them. And actually we, we probably would have preferred a union Omaha loss rather than a, than a draw. I mean, I, you know, now you're getting into like, it probably won't matter at the end of the season, but what at we, least what we don't do on this podcast is try to figure out where things stand <laughs> on the USL table. 
Um, I, well, then I'll, then I'll say this. I'll transition that to uh, this week and Dan hating on referees. The yellow card on Eric Leonard was completely terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. It wasn't even, that wasn't even a foul, uh, let alone a yellow card. Uh, so uh, I, will, I, will, I will go on record as saying that was, that was probably – that was worse than either yellow card that Josiah got last week. That one, yeah, still don't understand that one. Uh, mystified, mystified. Uh, so, uh, really excited for this next next segment. Um, Optali continues to be in hiding. We're unsure where where he's gone, but uh, for this next segment, we're really excited. For those of you that are on Facebook, uh, you've seen Kelly Ferguson with photos of the trench that they're building outside of her, and so we reached out. She's friend of the pod. Uh, I said to her, look, Forward Madison community needs to know what's going on in this trench. What's happening? Are they looking to expand Bree Stevens and they're doing it via this trench? Uh, even though she doesn't live anywhere near the stadium, maybe that's what's going on. Uh, is it a swimming pool? Are they putting a sw- swimming pool in there? Are they putting in another apartment building? What is happening? Because anything that affects really the Forward Madison flock I think we agree affects us all. Um, it's and, probably going to be another high rise building because Madison doesn't have enough of those. I think, you know, uh, unaffordable housing is really probably what we're looking at. Um, that being the Madison way, Dan, do you have any theories about the trench? I don't. The only thing I find interesting is that, you know, in some of the core neighborhoods of Madison, they would, they would be forced to send out daily updates to the residents about, the digging and the noise and there would have been 46 county meetings and neighborhood meetings and everyone would know exactly the the particulars of the trench digging who would be digging the trench the depth of the trench where the dirt from the trench was being taken to in a sustainable manner so i'm just uh i find it uh I find it uh, intriguing that there is no information about this trench other than these wonderful updates we've been getting yeah, that's, I mean, I think to my mind, the most amazing thing is that there's just a trench appearing. You know, we haven't seen the, the you know, nobody screaming at the, at the county meeting about the noise. Uh, how is it going to affect my parking? Um, will there be enough bike lanes to, the, to and from the trench? We don't know. Maybe they're just creating a trench as, you know, a, a tourist attraction, a hole. We, we don't know. So we go now to Kelly Ferguson, friend of the pod, uh, player of the match, the trenchant critique. This is Kelly reporting here from the Greater Madison North Side Trench with a trench report update. I'm currently standing near the terminal end of said trench, at which there is a pit lined with white plastic. Uh, Somewhere in the pit, you can see that there is a large cement structure that looks like it will be a sort of cube-shaped construction. There are several large green pipes sticking out of the pit, uh, some with tubes and hoses running into them, I can hear the sound of water or perhaps some other liquid flowing through those tubes. Uh, From the pit extends a large trench where trees have been removed. Uh, There are several large pieces of machinery, uh, none of which do I actually know the names of, but they all look much too complicated for me to operate. Uh, All of this trench extending uh, right to the road and uh, crossing the street uh, does appear to continue for some distance. Yet again, amazing, amazing uh, details there. Dan, um, usually this is the point in the pod where we turn to you for the travelogue, where we're, we're headed next, what next is transpiring in America uh, did you prepare one for this week? I didn't cause we're, we're back in Tosa, but I do have a, uh, I do have an update on our, uh, on the official, uh, restaurant of the pod here at Soles, uh, located at 24 Greensboro highway in Watkinsville, Georgia. 
You can That's find the, them on the web. Uh, official restaurant of the pod, non restaurant week, non black restaurant week edition, yes. because Kyle came through with a banging suggestion, didn't he? He did. Now, Kyle, I have a question. Did you eat that entire portion? No, I did not. I had some, I had it for leftovers, but I also ordered a Jamaican style pate, which was a very large, it was very large. It pretty much took up a whole plate. So I did not eat the whole curried goat, which made it okay. my Saturday afternoon even better. So for well, those of I, you- I sat, I sat down to eat it thinking, and, oh, this uh, By the way, if people want to, you know, uh, who don't follow us on Twitter, uh, want to know, uh, and what's our Twitter handle again, Dan? That would be at forwards back lot two. And what's uh, the name of the restaurant that we're discussing here in Madison? This is David's Jamaican cuisine on uh, Monona drive, uh, kind of closer to uh, Broadway as you're kind of heading out towards the belt line on the, so, uh, I guess, North side, west, east side of the road. So great. Spot. Yeah. Good geography, Dan. Uh, <laughs> but you did have a, an up, update about the Athens, Georgia Kirasoles, our official second official restaurant of the pod, can be found at www.kirasoleswalkinsville.com. This is a very important update from July 16th on their Instagram page. Oysters are in for this weekend. We are open for dine-in with limited seating. Call us for a reservation. So if it's July 16th where you live and you're looking for oysters, Kirasoles has got you covered. Kind of, kind of shocking. Because usually the old saw about oysters is that you are to only eat them in months with R. Um, yes. I, uh, that is why you will be the first one up against the wall. <laughs> uh, well, I do recommend if you cannot get a good bottle of uh, minerally champagne, because uh, the champagne region, one of the reasons it goes so well with oysters, uh, was pre, prehistoric ocean. And so the, the vineyards there are actually on beds of seashells and it gives that minerality to the wine pairs excellently. If you can't, I recommend a good chilled muscadet to pair with your oysters. Dan, Kyle, please put your, your close your mouths. Uh, please. Do you have, uh, get the thoughts out, Dan, Kyle. I don't know how to start with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've left, I've left the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting speechless. I think that's, that's as good a place as any to end. Uh, well, I just, well, no, I, I have something to say. I'm supposed to take, I'm supposed to take fine dining advice from the guy who every time I see him has mustard, ketchup, and some other unknown sauce on his shirt. But somehow this guy knows all there is to know about fine dining in the world. First of all, never have any ketchup. Ketchup is a crime against humanity. I love ketchup. ketchup. I'm a ketchup. Oh, come I'm on a, now. now. Now we're going too far. I'm a ketchup. Plus, I'm not an oyster person. Like, I'll eat it, but it's not my go-to if I go to a seafood restaurant. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, look, I, I'm not saying you have to be an oyster go, go-to. I also like, uh, if you can get clams right out of the water, clams are delicious on the half shell as well. Um they're they're fantastic. Now we're going somewhere. If you go, if you were to go to a seafood bar, Kyle, Dan, uh, say we go, you know, we take a pod trip to Maritimo. What would what would each of you request straight from the sea? Oh, the black scabbard fish by far. Dan, uh, I like snapper. Now uh, this is not uh, fresh from the sea, but if you can get good cod, that is tremendous. But like oysters are, especially out American East Coast oysters are like one of my favorite things. Uh, that is num- number one. Uh, you know what I miss though from Portugal? Not fresh. The bacalao, the salted cod that they reconstitute. Mm-hmm. It is delicious with a good a good sauce and again a nice vino vino verde from Portugal pairs very well. Oh, I'd like to, you I just get the Port of Madeira wine and you're set. <laughs> I miss Madeira wines. Uh, so uh, anything else before we, we uh, let, let the people go listen to something more, uh, more relevant to their interests than three guys talking about fish? 
With an F. Actually, in Wisconsin, three guys <laughs> talking about fish, probably very relevant, but it would have to be musky, northern, and walleye. <laughs> so uh, with that, we say until next time, forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. 